This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Open Gaming Store, PDFs and print, come on in. And listeners like you, thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links. Hi, I'm Ed Greenwood and you're listening to The Tome. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And in this episode number 273, we're dusting off an old travel guide we found to learn about monsters as we do our deep dive review of Volo's Guide to Monsters. And joining us for this episode is game designer and four horseman, Dan Dillon. Dan, I think you've been on the on an episode before. I know you've been on the roundtable a bunch, and I think you've been on one of these episodes for us with as well, haven't you? I have, uh, pretty recently, just this year, I was on yeah. my first actual Tome show, there and it was the, uh, the Spicing Up Monsters. That was the, the Making Monsters Sizzle thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was, that was, that was a, a great popular time. episode. Yeah. Very good. So welcome back to you. Also with us is a pair of newcomers to our show, the Any Award Losing Total Party Thrill podcast host, Shane and Ishan. Did I say it right? Yeah, 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 you did. Long time fan, first time guest. Very good. And and we got to sit down and play a game together at Gen Con. That was a good time. Pretty much all of Gen Con is a good time, but really blurry at this point. Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I believe I DM'd uh, your table for the Epic, at least until I think one of you ended up switching tables. It was a crazy game. Uh, yeah, it was an entire room of, <laughs> of the same game. Of the same game fighting some sort of giant like Godzilla thing. In my head, it was a Tarrasque, but like hairy. Yeah, it was something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds awesome. Where was I? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure you were there, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was in my room because I got sick at Gen Con. Oh, no. Winner, winner. Oh, that's no fun. All right. Well, anyway, later on, we may or may not be joined by Sam Dillon, our illustrious editor, uh, but he got caught up in a last minute late night meeting at work, I guess. Because that's a thing that happens sometimes, I suppose. Is he is he really a superhero? Is that is that what I'm hearing? Well, that's, he, that's what I think. I think it, he's a college professor, and academia sort of holds weird hours sometimes. So that may be the issue. I'm not sure. Go in any case, mask. okay. In any case, hopefully he's able to like run home real quick after his meeting and, and join us later in the episode. We'll see what happens. In any case, if not, I'm here uh, hosting solo for for this episode. And in this episode, we are talking about Volo's Guide to Monsters. It's the latest book from Wizards of the Coast. It's one part monster lore, one part player race options, one part monster manual. And we'll find out in a moment how all that, how it does all those things. But before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsors, Open Gaming Store. They offer mostly PDF game products, but they have a handful of physical things as well, like apparel, DM screens, dice, that kind of thing. My pick for this episode is the PDF of the Midgard Heroes by Kobold Press, written by one of our guests, Dan Dillon. You wrote this book. I did. I did. uh... And while I know the product well, because I use it in every single one of my game sessions, you wrote it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, so that was one of the earlier ones that I did with Cobalt Press, uh, and it was a lot of fun to take their Midgard-specific races and uh, reimagine those for 5th edition D&D. Uh, previously, they'd been 3.5, they'd been Pathfinder, they had some 4th some edition, all, all other kinds of stuff, but they hadn't really touched 5th uh, ed yet. Um, and Midgard is a, is a super fun setting, and it kind of shakes up the assumptions. Um, there are no half-orcs, there are no dragonborn, they kind of have their own stand-ins 
for those race niches in the uh, the dragon kin of the the dragon empire and the troll kin uh, that live in the Northlands. Uh, and so there, there were some fun challenges in there, and it was a blast to write, and people have been enjoying it, and it just got a five-star plus seal of approval review from Enzeitgeist, so there I couldn't be more stoked about that. And, and I give it my seal of approval. I have a, I'm doing a post-apocalyptic fantasy Earth setting, and uh, a player wanted to play a, a, an advanced sort of like Japanese robot that had gone dormant and woken up. Ah, so you went Gearforged. So we went Gearforged. Nice, nice. Yeah. The, those, those are a blast. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Uh, so that's actually a, a funny thing. The, the Gearforged are easily my favorite like PC construct type race that I've ever run into. And they, they displaced the Warforged. I, I like the, the Midgard kind of uh, clockwork take on the Gearforged mm-hmm. a lot. Super yeah. flavorful. Yeah, no, uh, that and the, uh, what is, uh, Rob Schwab has something similar in, in Shadows of the Demon Lord that was interesting because it's got the weird key thing and it actually has to wind itself up every now and then. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so there's a, what was it called? Clockwork. The clockworks, yeah. So that, I thought that was a that was a cool little twist on things too. So, but I'm having all kinds of fun with the Gear Forge, and I've they even like the player wanted to reskin it and not have the whole Soul Gym thing going on, and then I reintroduced it about halfway through the campaign, and he's like, his mind is blown because that means somebody sacrificed <laughs> their soul to animate him, and he doesn't like that, and it's it's a whole yeah. it's a whole player story arc, right? He's, it's it's a good time. That sounds awesome, man. I'm yeah. glad you're enjoying it. We're having a good time with it. So anyway, uh, that's Open Gaming Store. We want, uh, we're going to throw it to one of our, our special guests to tell us a little bit about more, more about the Open Gaming Store. So welcome the great wizard himself, Big B. Just watch out. He can be a little handsy. Hi, everybody. It's me, Big B. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you all about my favorite place, OpenGamingStore.com. It's an online store where you buy PDFs, hardcover books, and all kinds of cool gaming accessories. That's right, you can even buy onesies for the kids. Check it out, OpenGamingStore.com. Make sure you tell them the Tome Show sent you. I'm Big B, and this is my hand. Thanks, Bigby. All right. First things first, before we get into our discussion of the book, full disclosure, I got a review copy. I assume everybody else probably paid for theirs. Yes, I paid for mine. <laughs> With American money. <laughs> I pre-ordered because I needed that special that special cover. Oh, you got the special cover. How is it? Uh, it's it's a strange like feeling on your fingertips. It's it's not smooth and glossy like the normal books. The texture is really weird. It's like, yeah, it's somewhere between velvet and like a smooth rubber. It's strange. Okay. Yeah, it, it it's what they should make cell phone cases out of. That would <laughs> I, be awesome. I think it's Nilbog hide. I Nilbog cannot hide, refute yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. My favorite part about Slightly the cover sticky. the about the special edition cover is the pictures don't do it justice because all of that silver shimmers. Oh, when cool. it when the light hits it, yeah. So did all of you get the special cover? No, I did not. Okay, I did. <laughs> just to I was just gonna look at Shane's version. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because Ishan shows restraint and waits for it to come out on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. See, and and I, I mean, sometimes they when they send review copies out, they throw out these little fun little things, and I thought maybe they would send us the the special cover thing just to you know butter us up a little bit but no i got the normal cover and and the binding's actually coming apart on mine so i would hate to have oh spent, no i would hate to have gone through the extra effort of getting the special cover and then have the binding fall apart on it so hopefully you're not having that experience not yet 
No, yeah, I'm I mean, nervous. I mean, all the pages are staying together. They're just separating from the cover. It's weird. Weird. God, I thought they'd solved the binding issues. I, no. I did too. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's better than the PHB, but it's not right. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not right. I actually, I have a monster manual that's that's falling apart too. But I have two of those, so I just use the other one. At yeah. least well, maybe uh, they can both lay flat. <laughs> almost, almost. If you don't mind, uh, at least with the monster manual, not with Volo's guide yet. But the monster manual, the like pages just come out sometimes. So that's a, that's becoming a thing. I'm th- I'm okay. trying to figure out how to just remove the pages and rebind it. Uh, you know, at copy uh, in a, you know copy store or whatever. But I'm not there yet. I haven't made pulled it off. Anyway, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Volo's Guide to Monsters, although if it's having binding issues, that's, that's important for people to know. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start off by having somebody tell us, what is this book? Anybody, any volunteers to jump into the, the overview of what, to, what this thing is? Because I'm happy to volunteer somebody for us. All right, Shane, uh, tell uh, us about this book. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, so Volo's Guide to Monster is the first monster-focused supplement for 5th edition. It's uh, probably 70% monster stat entries, and then the the first 30% of it is uh, in-depth discussions, sort of plot hooks and strategies and um, you know more information about sort of the iconic monsters mm-hmm. from D&D, the giants, the beholders, the UNT, the mind flayers, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, somewhere in the middle there, there's a few character races that have gotten people very excited. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've oftentimes heard it discussed as it's, it's you know, a third uh, lore, it's a third monster manual, and, and a third uh, player races, but it's really... The player races section is much thinner than a third, right? <laughs> so, oh, very much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's three chapters, but it's not really a third each. Right. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, I mean, there's about a, what, 100 monster stat blocks or so in here? That's that's a pretty there's decent, a decent number of monsters. Yeah. yeah, like 100 new monsters, I think nine in-depth sort of ecology articles, mm-hmm. basically. And then, uh, what is it, seven new playable races plus monstrous race write-ups, very short ones. Yep. Okay. So let's go through each of those parts and sort of discuss how this book does at that thing, right? And since it, the book starts with lore, let's start with the lore section. Uh, how does the book do in terms of lore? Uh, I was very impressed. Uh, I, I like the lore sections an awful lot. Um, you know, getting into how beholders reproduce, uh, talking mm-hmm. about how they build their layers and their tactics for how to use their eyes, getting into their psychology about how paranoia is the thing that drives them. Um, and, and, you know, that's repeated throughout all of these other nine chapters. Um, they're, they're excellent. You got, you've got, uh, bonds and flaws and personality traits, uh, as you would for a, a character background. You have those now for the, the various monster types that they discuss. Um, and that is extremely helpful if you want to build, uh, you know, something a little more interesting than faceless orc number five, mm-hmm. who your people are going to beat to death when they get into the cave. You know, it, it gives you some role-playing hooks. It gives you some meat to chew on to, to just make things interesting, even just for one-liners or one-offs. You can just mm-hmm. grab something at random off the chart and just kind of go with it. And, and, you know, maybe something will come of it. Maybe it just makes for a, a slightly spicier encounter, and that's great. Yeah, I was actually really impressed with the the lore and uh, almost all of the the different focuses that they gave us. A lot of them, anyway, gave me something different to think about. The beholder entry was fantastic. Uh, Giants was good, but I feel like between Storm King's Thunder and all the 
the the lead up to that and whatever, I feel like I, I've kind of got the Giants down at this point, you know. So there wasn't a lot new there that that really um, stirred my interest. Um, I thought the, but I, I I enjoyed the the look at um, orcs specifically. I wasn't expecting to because I usually don't think of orcs as being that interesting. But I also don't usually think of orcs as being like agents of their gods. Yes, but it totally makes sense, and it works, and this lore like brings that to life for me. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I'd say if you are someone who's thinking about buying this book and you're looking through this first section, and you see the nine kinds of monsters, even if you think you're not into that type of monster, read the section mm. because the the treatises uh, open up an entirely new perspective. Like I don't like hags. I don't care about hags. Hags are gross, but this was an amazing <laughs> section. <laughs> and I loved how, like, from an in-game perspective, it was, okay, realistically, how would a hag act in combat? How would she arrange her lair? You know, same thing with the holders, like, like you guys mentioned. It, it helps you sort of get inside the head like, of, of these creatures. Like, what does Thrakazog, the beholder, actually feel about the, his minions? And, and it goes... Sort of in in both directions, it goes it goes very big, like tactically how do beholders act, and then very small. What what color and texture are their tentacles? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was cool. <laughs> well, and even across, like I feel like they chose they didn't necessarily choose like in some cases they chose some of the more unique things that they have, right? Um, mind flayers and beholders and yuanti are are unique things that usually don't end up in like SRDs, so they're the only ones who publish about them. And so they, they, they highlighted some of those things. Uh, but I also felt like they took some of the things that kind of blend together in design. You know, gnolls, goblinoids, kobolds, orcs are all sort of low-level mooks, you know, and, and are, can be kind of interchangeable in a lot of ways. And they made them all feel unique and different and, and help me understand as, as an adventure designer and as a DM, like, which one should I be using and how should I play them differently than the other, right? Absolutely. The, uh, the goblinoid chapter in particular, because, you know, you have bugbears, you have hobgoblins, you have regular goblins. And it really goes into where do each of those fit into the greater, you know, goblinoid structure in society. Mm. And having just these little toss-off things like, here's the list of the hobgoblin military rank structure, since they're such a military, you know, race. That, that, I mean, little, little blurbs like that are, uh, uh, that'll just keep paying out value. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I loved how it, taking goblinoids as a whole really helps you to ramp up, ramp them up as an opponent. You know, mm -hmm. even above levels like three, you, you, if you send a war host at your party, even if they're level 15, they're going to freak out about it. Yeah, yeah. They, they can easily be a threat to a nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the I, other and cool I, thing. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the other cool thing about the goblinoid section is specifically talking about how they structure their society. And this kind of carries throughout. It's not just a goblin thing. You know, you could easily take the way that goblin casts are are set up and adapt that to any sort of lawful evil kind of organization, right? So mm -hmm. it could be a very militaristic nation that aren't hobgoblins and bugbears and goblins. They're just a caste-driven society in your world, and it kind of lays the blueprint for you to utilize that. Definitely. Yeah, and I was actually uh, pleased to to read things like there were there were lore bits in here that even though I've been playing D&D since I was eight, and it's so Needless to say, it's been a long time. Um, there were lore bits that, like, 
I had always been curious about but or, or never noticed before. And maybe it was there before. Maybe it was created for this book. I don't know. Like the, like the explanation of why is it that hobgoblins, goblins, and bugbears are all goblinoids, even though they're very, very different creatures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, we finally have an answer to that question. Um, the, the explanation for mind flayers, and um, I always knew the story of the, the rebellion by the gith, right, and separating from them or whatever. I never really understood that the entire race of mind flayers were like survivors of some sort of event where, where the mind flayer homeworld was you know, wiped out or disappeared or whatever it was, right? It's still kind of a mystery, but, but most of the mind flayers in the, in the universe and the planes are gone. And the ones that are still around are sort of survivors that had been abandoned, you know, on the material plane and they, they weren't wiped out like the others. Yeah. Like there's all this stuff, all this lore that I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And it makes a ton of sense. And I never knew that before. So I don't know well, if it's it adds, new or it I just adds- didn't know. Yeah, it adds so much like motivation and story hooks because now this isn't just a, a thing that your party's going to encounter in the tunnels and it's going to try to suck their brains out. Mm-hmm. Now it's a desperate survivor. So, you know, it has to drag these people back to the elder brain pool so they can make more. Otherwise, they're going to be extinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so sticking, sticking with the lore section, um, what's everybody's favorite lore entry? Let's start mm-hmm. with Dan. Man, uh, that's difficult, but I think I'm going to go with the Knolls, and uh, most of that is just kind of a, that's a timing thing. Uh, the campaign that we just finished uh, centered heavily around some Yinogu cult and, uh, and Knollish you know, armies and, and the history of, of this, these people and they were, their bitter rivalry with the Knolls. So it's, it's really fun seeing, you know, the hunters chant and ways to build up Knoll war bands and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the, the different, just different aspects of what in, are presented in the monster manual as just a slavering, demonic uh just horde that sort of rampages across the countryside and kills everything because they're demon no they're they're demon hyena guys uh this is very helpful for adding some context to that and and helping uh generate a little more understanding about them so that this was a, a fun read coming off of that campaign cool. uh ishan what was your favorite section in the, uh, in I the know monster lore I know what Shane is going to pick, so I'm actually not going to pick that uh, <laughs> I, because I'm a decent human being. Uh, I I really liked the kobold section. Oh, come because, on. No, seriously. Well, okay. I I really like Deacon from uh, Hordes of the Underdark, that video game. But but kobolds are usually portrayed as like these like low-level schlubs who are kind of boring unless you have you know, spent 20 minutes reading up on Tucker's kobolds and like really trying to like devise crazy traps for them. But I, I liked getting into, into their heads. Like the, they have these crazy grandiose notions about how we're, we're not only related to dragons, like dragons like us, right? Like we're buddies with dragons. <laughs> and, 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 and so when, when, when we meet people, like there, there's this battle inside of, of, you know, wanting to be recognized for for being great, but also being terrified because you're tiny and cold blooded, and uh, I really love that that dichotomy that you get from from the kobold. I also love the just the crazy uh, extra entries um, that that get expanded upon in the monster stat block section. Oh yeah, yeah. 
And I think my favorite part was the explanation. Uh, it was close to the end where they basically say, okay, you think kobolds are dumb because you meet one who tries to attack you or a random one that you easily overpower. But you are the idiots because the rest of them are either running away or circling around behind you to kill all of you. <laughs> yeah, I particularly I was uh, I was particularly interested in the kobold section uh, as it got into this whole um, is it gender morphic sort of uh, thing that they've got going on where if like all of the males or most of the males are wiped out in their popula- in their community, then uh, they they have the ability to actually switch gender, yeah. Uh, until they reach about a fifty fifty split, and I'm like, that's really interesting. And I kind of, you know, and we'll get to this in a second. I kind of wish that Kobold was one of the player races because that would be fun to to play around with a little bit at the table, right? I've got well, a table. Good news, a- it is. <laughs> it is. Kobold's yeah, not yeah. in there. It's, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it absolutely well, is. It's, it's in the, it's in the, in the MP- back, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not in. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, <laughs> right. um, I mean, in my in my head canon, dragons can now switch genders as well. So, oh sure, yeah, I hadn't thought about them. Just going with that. That's interesting. Shane, what's your favorite? So I actually do like the cobalt section a lot, Yishin. So you did kind of steal it from me because I feel like <laughs> it was written by Tucker. <laughs> um, but I think what you expected me to say was hags. So yeah. I, I will say hags. Um, and, and I'm not a fan of Faye. I'm not a fan of hags in general. But I thought this was a really neat uh, section because it talks a lot about their motivations and about how they approach um, bargaining and deal making in, in their treachery. And that makes a, that's a really hard thing for a lot of DMs to pull off and, and to think like in a way that, that works for adventurers, right? That works for a game. So I thought that was really neat. I like that they gave them layers and layer actions because that seems really iconic mm-hmm. um, and, and conspicuously missing from the monster manual. And uh, and I, I love, you know, the names, the tables for names and all that sort of stuff just makes it much easier and much more accessible to grab a hag and put it into your campaign or, or even a coven, right? Um, but I will say the single entry that I love the most from this section is the Dreamwalker, the Stone Giant Dreamwalker, mm. <laughs> because Stone Giants live underground, and if they spend too much time above ground, they go crazy and think they're trapped in a nightmare, oh, and yep. then they're super dangerous. And I love Cause it. They, yeah, because they make you go crazy too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And I think my favorite uh, entry of the lore section is the Mind Flayers. I've always had this idea in my head of doing a, a Mind Flayer or, or a Mind Flayer slash Gith focused uh, campaign ever since there was a, a big uh, story arc when Paizo was doing Dragon Magazine uh, during yeah. the third edition days where they did this whole invasion thing. And I, ever since then, I'm like, that'd be kind of cool. And I, I want to tie in the Mind Flayers and stuff to it. And so as I was reading this entry, I had this campaign idea already in my head sort of germinating. And then it, it morphed and turned into this whole other way more interesting um, story concept um, because of the idea of the Mind Flayers being uh, more or less wiped out. And now maybe the Gith invasion is them coming to try to wipe out a pocket of Mind Flayers. And so the Mind Flayers that you thought were the threat is not actually the threat. Or or maybe the Gith that you think are the threat are not actually the threat because the Mind Flayers are actually doing something else. Like there, There's this whole uh, intrigue thing that that's in, incorporated there that I think is now really interesting. So, mm-hmm. And I love the magic items and augmentations. Those mm-hmm. are <laughs> yeah, although the... Oh, uh- it, the one thing that was inter- that was a, a little off for me, I guess, is the whole psionics thing. 
because um, if they're doing this entry and they're like, oh, well, if you want to make a Mind Flayer Scion, here's sort of the, the spell list that they should have access to. Um, and that still feels weird to me because we don't have Psionics. And the more they fill in Psionics by, by giving us these spell-like abilities that are Psionic-ish, the more I think we're never going to get Psionics. We're just going to get spells that are, you know, mental-ish. So. It's also it's also strange if you look at the list of that scion, like the spell list mm-hmm. that it gets. They're relatively low level, but they're really combat focused, and they lose things like plane shift, which isn't really useful in combat, but makes the stock mind flare terrifying. It's mm. actually pretty terrifying in combat in five e because you can use it offensively. It's like a it's like a super banishment. Mm. I, I think it, I think the stock one might be only but in any case the, yeah the 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 new one gets like evocation spells right yeah so yeah. so i i just i feel like i don't know i kind of feel like they i wish they would stop trying to do a stopgap for psionics because if they ever do actual an actual psionic system then all of that's going to have to be redone anyway and and the new one will be in theory better because it'll be actual psionics so anyway that's our yeah. thoughts, I think, on the monster lore section. Is there anything there that, that wasn't there that you kind of wish was or you're surprised wasn't in the monster lore section? Um, I, I, a little bit of a disappointment I had is that not all of the monster lore sections were created equal. Like, I really enjoyed what was there for the null section, but the null section was very short. And while I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit because of the campaign I just came off of, it does feel like the Knolls got a little bit shortchanged in exchange for, you know, in, in comparison to, say, the Mind Flayers that have all of this extra awesome stuff tacked onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder how much of that is, you know, just book space, deciding what's the coolest stuff that's going to make it in or, or what decisions went into that. Mm-hmm. It's probably racism, I think. Yeah, probably a little bit. They're <laughs> <laughs> anti-canine over there at, at Watsy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, high um, people deserve rights too. Ishan, <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something else that you you wish was there? Um, it's just an issue that I have with a lot of monster write ups is that sometimes they don't make sense uh, <laughs> biologically, and that's a weird thing to say when you're talking about like magic monsters, oh, right? Sure. But how does a giant population support itself if they have no industry and no agriculture and they're just scavengers and, but they're 20 feet tall and apparently have to eat all the time, but they live in the frozen North. Like I don't get frost giants, you know? And there was, there was nothing in the entry that made Mm -hmm. me go, Oh, that's how that works out. You know, if it was just like, Oh, there's a cleric and they make a lot of food all the time. Okay. I can buy that. But too many apex predators. How do the mind players get all the brains they need? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. By sh- by sheer force of will, they actually none yeah. of those creatures actually eat very much. That's why they're hungry all the time and they're always <laughs> looking for food. <laughs> right, but it would make sense to me if they were, for example, I don't know, farming thralls, but they're not. Right. I mean, in your campaign, maybe they are, but it would be nice to have that oh, lore. lore oh, everyone is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that is the most terrifying of the body horror of the mind flayers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just just the farmer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think they're conspicuously missing dragons, given that it's right there in the title of the game. Mm. Uh, kind of surprised there wasn't something more building dragons from just being really powerful treasure hoarders into something of a society. Uh, something akin to Eberron even would be really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I thought about that as well, because you know the game is Dungeons & Dragons, right? Um, 
It also occurs to me, though, that in the past, with when they've done a, a deep dive into dragon lore, it's gotten its own book, right? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, so, and there's enough variety in dragons that th- I, I don't know that they could really do it much justice in a in a handful of pages in a book like this anyway so. that that was going to be my point is that you have what 10 basic true dragons and you'd have to cover something for all of them that is a giant chunk of pages right well, i mean you could take a subsection you know start somewhere yeah, yeah you could give you, they could definitely could have given us more i mean they there's also a lot of giants and they gave us a giant section so. true yeah very good yeah i don't uh, yeah, and besides that, I mean, I was going to mention dragons as well. I'm not sure that it's missing, but it's definitely conspicuous, you know. Um, yeah, I guess I was, you know, other than that, I, I look forward to more things like this, I guess, because I didn't feel like there was anything missing, but I want, there's a lot of other weird monsters and things that I could use some interesting information on like this, you know. Well, I will say that I hope that this is kind of the standard going forward for more supplements because mm-hmm. this the the setup for this was very compelling. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, like, and go ahead. I was just and like Shane said, I like that the way that these sections were written makes them very applicable to other kinds of monsters you might be more interested in. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, very easy to port a lot of these concepts and reskin them and, mm-hmm. and use them in a lot of different ways. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would go so far as to say I would be happy with a book that was just the monster lore section blown out to cover, you know, maybe a couple more pages on each, a couple more stat entries on each, mm-hmm. and then more types of monsters. Yeah, I mean... Well, that was a great read, much more yeah. so than reading the stat blocks. Yeah, well, stat blocks are always a, a bit of a slog to read through, right? But um, I, I, I kind of feel like, and, and this is getting ahead of us a little bit, I kind of wish... It was about half lore, half stat blocks. Because I, I like stat blocks. I used the, those creatures in my games or whatever, right? Um, I, I now have a massive spreadsheet of, of every monster from the Monster Manual, from this book, and from Tome of Beasts. Um, so that I can have a quick searchable way of finding what I want for my games, right? Um, so I, I, I don't dislike that. It does – in terms of format though, I think Dan brought up format – um, and how you are hoping that this is kind of the thing they do in the future. It, it, it does have this weirdness in that it's mostly a DM book with like these handful of pages in the middle to try to get some players to buy it too. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here's some races. Players, you should spend some money for these, what, 10 pages, 20 pages? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's seventeen. I know what seventeen pages of character races, yeah. and I, and I will say by the way that the lore sections and the stat block sections are pretty close to equal. They're right around a hundred pages each. Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, but uh, so there is a, a decent breakdown there. But uh, but yeah, the, the, as much as I like the the player race section in the middle there, it does very much feel like let's make this a little bit more generally appealing to make sure that we have. Mm-hmm what, six people at a table instead of just one really interested in buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, I can't begrudge them that terribly much, um, but, but it, does, it does feel that way. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the races section. We have a handful of new races, Asimar, Furbolg, uh, Goliath, Kinku, Lizardfolk, Tabaxi, and Tritons. And then there is the Monstrous Adventures section, which is sort of the uh, here's the stats for DMs who want to make NPCs section, which we kind of – we've had in, in – was it in the 5e Monster Manual or is it in the 4e Monster Manual now? The 4e Monster Manual, the first one in the back section, yeah. there was uh, – like, like they had that. Warforged, things like that. Yeah. 
So, so you mentioned earlier that oh, we do have cobalt stats. Well, we kind of do, but it's stats intended for NPCs, not for PCs. See, I don't think so. I think these are these are um, these are definitely presented in a PC stat format. And if you wanted to make these things as NPCs, there's a, a chart in the Dungeon Master's Guide that tells you how to quick and easy slap, you know orc traits onto whatever of the, the generic NPC stat blocks you want. The ones in here are definitely presented PC race style. And I, I, quote, I, I, and I quote from page 118, this section is aimed at DMs who wish to expand the race selection for their campaigns beyond typical folk in D&D. Um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a, it, I mean, it's specifically talking about using them for, for NPCs. I, mean, um, I think Wizards is talking out of both sides of their mouth. They, absolutely. Know, they present and, it because, you know, oh, look, you can play this. Right. I think the real question is, sh- should you be playing these? Because they do say, hey, these aren't balanced. And, right. you know, actually, for the most part, some of them are actually pretty kind of weak. Sure. A couple of them, yeah. Orcs, man. Orcs are sad. Oh, my Orcs God. Are the worst. What did the, wh- that is the most disappointing part of this entire <laughs> chapter to me. Is like, yep. you made it 100% objectively worse than the half-orc. Yeah. Yeah, I if you want to play not, an orc, just, just use half-orc stats. Yeah. I would and not if you let want, a player them, use this orc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I was really, you know, I was telling you earlier, I was kind of interested in putting together like a kobold sorcerer or something after reading the the lore section on it. But, but not if the kobold sorcerer is going to get a, a plus two to dex and a minus two to, to strength, and that's it for ability scores, right? That's that's uh, not how P- player PC races work, you know. I'd be all right with this kobold. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the kobold. Grovel, cower, and beg is awesome. Pack that, pack yeah, is, it is cool. Is pretty balls to the wall. Uh, <laughs> Grovel, cower, and beg is my favorite named ability in here, I think. Yep. I, I, I like the ability. I don't love it on a PC race. It kind of right. like just pigeonholes you. I love the hobgoblin write-up. I, I think that's amazing. Plus one to intelligent. Guess what? All of these guys are smarter than your average peasant. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, hobgoblins are good. Uh, the bugbears are awesome. Ooh, that, that long-limbed trait, that, that sort of came out of left field, given mm-hmm. the way they're uh, written up in the monster manual. I don't believe they have reach in there. Um, I think but I guess a- that's a little bit of a reach back to, uh, like, I, I mean, I think back to the second edition um, Complete Book of Humanoids. Where they were basically like slightly smaller, hairier, sneaky ogres. You know, they were they were really played up as big and brutish. So they have the powerful build and the long limbed and all that. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about that. That what two three pages in the back of, uh, for for NPCs or other you know adventurous DMs who want to try something that's unbalanced. Uh, but there's also this whole section with the new the new uh, fully statted out balanced uh, races that I listed earlier. Uh, what do we think about those? They're fine. <laughs> like, was anyone like really jonesing for these particular races? I, I don't know. Maybe you were. Maybe you're a fanboy, and that's. I'm glad you have these. But like, they don't necessarily fit niches that we're lacking. There's some overlap. Like for Bolg and Goliath, right. kind of operate in the same space. Um, I, was, I was a little yeah. surprised to see Goliath show up here again. We already mm-hmm. had the write-up for them. Yeah, because uh, this is just a reprint evil. of an old an old sat block, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And yeah. No new subrace, nothing. Yeah, I was hoping there'd be a Goliath subrace because they're half giants. So why not give them something tied to their giant ancestor? But mm-hmm. nothing. Right. Right. Yeah, and and you talk about them not necessarily filling in a, a 
a niche that people were necessarily looking for. Like, I know that there are people, not me, who are really interested in the cat people thing. So I, I, I get the tabaxi. There are apparently a lot of diehard yeah. cat people fans. The, and, and that's fine. That I, I get that. And they can have their, their stats for that. And they can play those characters. And I'm okay with that. But that's not me. Um, I don't know who's jonesing for the Tritons, though. Like, who really wants to have underwater people? <laughs> uh, well, uh, now so, you can now you can build your Justice League. You know, yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> There's my Aquaman. And, well, and we, the thing, the th- thing I'll say about this section is I I really appreciate options because maybe I'm not mm-hmm. going to use Tritons in a in a normal campaign. Um, That's true, but. There's always that game where where that could be kind of a go-to race where where, where people want to play. And now that since this write-out is there, that option exists. Whereas otherwise a DM would have to kind of scrape it together themselves. Which, you know, I can do that. Uh, a lot of people can do that. Some people aren't really up to the the tinkering on the mechanical side of things to make mm-hmm. that work out well or they just don't have the time or they just don't have the inclination they could do it if they wanted to but they'd rather just have an official write-up for it and now they have it and so i i appreciate having these options available for those campaigns that will utilize them yeah and like pe- people love planescape so there's your asimar with some with some variety well and i don't I just mind wish it wasn't so bad <laughs> well oh. yeah, there's that <laughs> I, I don't mind <laughs> options um but Given the slowed down production schedule, like, are we really at a place where we need those specific niche options filled in, you know, when there's other options that that people have enjoyed for years that haven't been converted over to 5e yet or whatever? Um, Maybe not. Maybe so. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. It's a couple of things. And again... The whole race section is pretty light anyway, um, and it's certainly not the reason to pick up the book as much as people might be excited for them. I think a couple things that do deserve getting called out on. Um, I don't want to play with a Kenku at my table as a player or as a GM, mm. honestly, because it's just it's really problematic. Like they can't talk except when they mimic, and they can't come up with any creative ideas. Like that that's really tough to mm. to adjudicate well. That's perfect for casual gamers. <laughs> yeah, I th- a, a Kenku. I look at those and I'm like, this could either be super fun or god awful annoying, mm-hmm. and and it can very quickly swing either way. <laughs> yeah, maybe both in the same session. Yes, uh, just just put Kender back in. Save yeah. us the trouble. <laughs> hey, I love Kender. I'm I'm ready. Maybe they can steal all the Kenku. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, for Bolg is uh, our only race with plus two to wisdom, so I think we're going to see a lot of those at Adventurers League tables. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Is the ASMR write-up? Uh, I didn't do a side-by-side comparison. How different is what we have for ASMR than what was in the is it the DMG where they did the, the sample, sample in the DMG? Yeah. I think it's a little yeah. bit different. Uh, yeah, it it's, is. It's pretty different. Yeah, because the DMG well, version was based off the Tiefling, and this mm-hmm. is yeah. pretty independent with the idea of their okay. aura. Right. And, palettes, then, and then yeah. not accounting for sub races, of course. There was no sub race in right. the DMG, so that's that's right. a pretty big departure. But but like the base traits, I think there's there's a there's a little bit of overlap there. But then they got what the healing hands and mm. yeah. And then the other the other thing that changed is like the tiefling they had like the cantrip, the third level spell, and the fifth level spell. Now they just have the cantrip, which is light, but they also have dark vision, so that's dumb. Uh, and then yeah, they get the bad. Like aura abilities that last for one minute but require an action. So enjoy mm-hmm. that. Okay. There's actually a couple of those things though, where like you have conflicting abilities that don't synergize even within a race. Mm-hmm. 
like doesn't the lizard folk have uh three stat dependent abilities yeah different yeah stats. that's right but all different <laughs> stats yeah so the lizard folk has to be a, a jack of all trades and have good stats and everything or just like not be able to use a bunch of its abilities just don't you know use that thing, yeah. very good all right so should we move into the 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 big chunk of stat blocks at the end then Let's do uh, that. We we can we can do that. Sure. We have how many pages? Let's see. Um, about a hundred, a little less than a hundred pages uh, of stat blocks in the bestiary section. So so what do we think about what's there? We kind of have a mix of new stuff and stuff that fills in some gaps and stuff that um, is related to the lore sections that we had uh, in the first chapter. You know we got, you know they mentioned specific sex or groups or whatever of, of this kind of, kind of giant and that kind of giant. And now we have stats block, stat blocks for them in the back here as well. Um, other, you know, what do we think about how they did there? Uh, I see a lot of old favorites returned, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, uh, with the best area section myself and super happy with the NPC edition at the end. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's some weird things here that, uh, that, uh, you know, not necessarily running right out to use, like the the cold rith or, or a couple of these, but uh, but again, I like that the options are there because you never know, and uh, and some of my favorites like the Barghest, are back again, so that that just makes me happy. Hmm. And if you have Tome of V's, now you have two different stat blocks for Red Cap, and you can pick and choose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is better, Dan? Uh, I haven't done a side by side comparison. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if that was one of the ones you wrote for Tome of V's, but. The red cap, I'd have to look. I think I actually might have written the red cap for the Tome of Beasts. Yeah, I think maybe about a third of these new monsters are the ones that are tied into the lower sections. Right. You know, so those those are nice write-ups. Um, the selection of the rest of them, I like the old favorites. Some of these I'm, I'm sort of questioning, right? Because there's a limited amount of space in this book. Where this is only our second book in like two years. So you would think that it would be a very careful selection, but... I see a lot of things where I don't know that anyone was clamoring for these. Hmm. Like, there are seven new dinosaurs. And I know some people, some people want the some dinosaurs. Some people really right? like their dinosaurs. Right. But those are so easy to make up on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they don't have any special abilities. Maybe it flies and maybe it's got a mace in its tail. You're done. Right. I also, I, like, speaking of, of that, that weird niche sort of thing that... that wasn't necessarily being clamored clambered for it and and also the npc section uh they had the uh what is it the the kraken priest which is a very specific cult that has not played out significantly in any of the the storylines like they kind of make a cameo appearance in in storm king's thunder um Mm. like that that is a weird niche for them to fill unless like they're they're hinting that there's going to be a future storyline that that you know Features the this Kraken uh, cult organization. Well, that, that that's definitely a thing because uh, one thing that they the designers keep talking about is that they constantly lay um, hints and lay groundwork for right. future products in existing products. So you know the Kraken priest may be important in an upcoming storyline. Yeah. I mean, I assume it's going to be, and it may not be. You know, the next storyline. It might be two or three storylines down the down the line, but they're trying to put it in the consciousness now, so that so that when it comes right. up, people are like, "Oh, I love these guys" because they've already played with them a bunch. 
Right. Or it also could it also could be that someone loved this thing that got cut from Storm King's Thunder for whatever reason, and so they wanted to use it. That could be. Could be something as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think this is you know Wizards casting as wide a net as possible, and in some of these instances it totally works. Right. I love that. The Bodak is back. I love yeah. the cranium cranium rats are here. Cranium rats, cranium rats darklings, like darklings, yeah. and quicklings. I love those from back the, in second edition. Yeah, the Babau, you know, the, the Niyogi, uh, <laughs> Vargwheel. Hey, all right, we we got our weird, creepy bathead things again. You know, that was my favorite return. I'm just right? gonna put that down <laughs> by my name. People gonna get licked. <laughs> <laughs> but but. Um, GMs of high-level games should note that the highest CR thing in this is CR 22, and that is like a mind flare lich. So you've already kind of got both of those. You could make it on your own. There's a severe lack of high-level enemies. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like after CR like 10 or 12, it's a it's a wasteland. So yeah. let's let's go into somebody mentioned their favorite. So let's let's go through that. Uh, who was that? Shane, was that you that called out your favorite uh, of the of the creatures in here? Well, it's actually not my favorite creature in there, but oh, okay. it is. It's the thing I was excited to see returning because uh, I do like the Varguil or Varjui or however it's pronounced. Yeah, that's the that's the the weird vampire head thing that flies down and then like tears your head off and replaces it or something. It, it like kisses you and yeah. curses you, and then your head turns your into head one of those off. and flies yeah. off your body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a real real fun reproduction cycle. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, another but, throwback to like Planescape, which I love. So, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah. the thing for me that I fell in love with when I opened the book was the Grung, which are like tropical tree frog demon yeah, the frog people. Thing. That's that, those were weird to me. I don't know what to do with those. <laughs> yeah, I I mean they're all super low CR. I think they they like, cap out at CR two. But they're just this adorable little picture of them in three different colors, and they uh, they're you know excrete poison from their skin that they use to kill things and yep. hunt. Deadly little uh, bastards. <laughs> and they're they're like you know this caste based society, and they're slavers, and they're just I I mean they're just fantastically weird, and yet approachable. You know, mm-hmm. if you go into a jungle and you find grungs, you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Why didn't we think something like this would be in here? Mm-hmm. This is terrible. They're the they're the poison arrow frog version of the bullywug. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, so Dan, like it, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it, it. also lets you. It gives you some ideas for how to use their poison as adventurers. So yeah. once you kill them, you harvest their poison, and now you've got you know different effects based on what color. It's those little touches that are helpful too. Mm-hmm. Very good, Dan. You had something to say earlier. Poison, some of these poisons are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like in a good way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, like you can't move except to jump, <laughs> right? Or or climb. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying there? Jeff? I was going to say, Dan. So, so you've got you're you're already on a roll. Why don't you tell us what your favorite monster is? Gosh, I, I, again, it's uh, it's just a, a feast of options here. Um, but the the Barghest, I, I have a, a particular love for the Barghest, and it was it was super cool to see it uh, make its triumphant return to fifth edition. Um, so people who aren't familiar with the Barghest, they're a, they're a fiendish. Wolf, goblin thing. They can shape change between a goblin, sort of this weird, slightly humanoid-looking demon wolf form. But their their big thing is that when they kill you, they eat your body, and they're not just eating your body; they digest your soul, and and that's what they're they're running around and feeding on. And so they're 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 soul eaters, and they they hide amongst goblins, 
and and uh, they're super terrifying, particularly in the age of zero death penalty beyond a couple hundred gold. Uh, to have something that can just that's it that's your end if you fall to this thing so i like having monsters like this that can bring a little bit of that tension back and uh they're they're super fun to use because they have just incredible stealth potential and a lot of uh they have a a high oh crap factor because that was not a goblin that was a you know 90 hit point fiend (laughs) that looked like a goblin as a high level player character don't you want to find one of these things and make sure you're they eat your enemies yeah right that's what i'm talking yeah, about yeah. <laughs> keep, keep one dead. in the cage yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. starve it and then feed it the bad guys right <laughs> ishin what about you what was your favorite uh definitely the cranium rats uh, as soon as i saw these I was, it it really took me back you know um mm. I'm I'm not big on the vermin, but for those of you who don't know, they're a psionic swarm of rats. And one cranium rat is a normal rat, but you get a dozen of them, 50 of them together, their intelligence becomes exponentially higher the more they gather together. They're a hive mind. And then they can start casting spells and talking th- into your brain mm-hmm. and controlling your mind. It's It's super weird and creepy. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, cool. Cranium rats are awesome. I love swarms, and swarm of cranium rats is super cool. Yeah, so so, and I actually found um, it was weird on this this collection because I think they were so focused on bringing back old favorites um, that nothing really stood out to me as as oh, that's really cool, or I've never seen anything like that before, right? Uh, because it mm. was it was just bringing back more options of of things we had, or bringing back old favorites. Um, but like, there's nothing in here. Like, I didn't see anything that I'm like, oh, well, this is you know, outside of maybe you know, a cow, you know, because <laughs> I don't know why we needed stats for cows, but we did, and now we have them. Uh, I didn't see anything that was like, yeah, well, whatever. I, I don't need that. I'm never going to use it. Whatever. Um, it's all just sort of real, um, steady sort of seven and eights, but nothing that like soared out to me and said, oh, this is awesome. I got to use it. Um, if there was anything like that that really stood out to me as interesting and that I hadn't considered before it was probably the nilbog which uh i think you guys had mentioned before the the hide <laughs> of the special cover is, is nilbog hide just because i'm like oh my gosh that thing is going to be like it's so it's going gonna, gonna to be annoying and a pain and and not really a threat but how do you get rid of it you know uh and mm-hmm. let the let the players sort of struggle with the that whole weird thing with the nilbog nilbog which uh is for people who don't have the book is goblin backwards and it's the um, the spirit of the goblin trickster god inhabits uh, a goblin every now and then. It becomes a nilbog, and they just they just don't die, no matter what you do with them. Um, and there's even in the lore section they talk about how um, the the goblin chiefs will like keep court jesters around, or the you know the hobgoblins will keep goblin court jesters around and just let them get away with saying and doing whatever they want because that will appease the trickster god and we, they won't end up with a nilbog in, in the tribe, right? Right. It's better to have an annoying goblin than an actual nilbog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that canonically, like in in mechanics, there's no way to to kill it or to exercise it or to get rid of it. The only thing you can do is appease it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, other than that, though, I thought I mean, I enjoy all the new uh, options for like that. My my in my head, uh, Mind Flayer campaign is there. Um, there's all kinds of new things with Yon T and um, as somebody who has recently played through parts of the um, 
the, a converted three, uh, Freeport adventure, uh, which has the serpent people, which in my head are very clearly supposed to be Yonti, but they didn't but, have the but rights. can't be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, great. Now I have a bunch of Yonti and I can do all kinds of things with them uh, and, and play through Freeport or whatever. Right. So I like having all these options for things, uh, you know, and there's all those layered things too, like the Kraken priest, which is like, okay, well, I can use this in a million different ways, but they're clearly trying to tell me something by making it a Kraken priest, not just another cultist. Um, you know, the the spawn of Kios is another one. Like, oh, so like happy to see the spawn of Kios has a history, <laughs> and there's a campaign around that, and there's a whole a whole suite of monsters around that concept. We only have a taste of one of those things, um, mm-hmm. which it, to the point that it's like I don't know that I'll ever use it if that's all I ever get, um, because. The, the idea of the spawn of Kios, that needs to be a whole thing, right? That can't just be, like, a monster that you run into every now and then. Um, that There's a story there that needs to be told, so... Well, can, can we talk about the spawn of Kios for a second? Because uh, this is something that Dan sort of alluded to, but uh, there are a bunch of monsters in here that have low CRs, but mm-hmm. are super deadly if you don't know what you're up against. Mm-hmm. Things that'll mm-hmm. just kill you, or... or or a rot save grub swarms rot grub <laughs> swarms <laughs> what is that yeah that's <laughs> happening is what that is yeah. that's that's how you end your campaign early ah, they'll figure it out no no you won't <laughs> and you'll, you'll be dead you'll either get lucky or you'll get a tpk right <laughs> yeah, they'll figure well, it out one, one, yeah one one person is gonna die right? like if, if you don't know how to handle it they're dead yeah maybe gotta gotta break a few eggs is that right keep them on their toes keep them on their toes keep the game exciting (laughs) but yeah i think what you were saying ishan that uh the difficulty associated with the crs in here is significantly higher than it was in the core monster Mm. manual in a couple cases Um, yeah well and i don't know if i like i'm finding in my games that the players tended to walk over my my encounters fairly often anyway. So, if they've ramped up the difficulty a little bit, then I actually help me a little bit. I, but the fact that it's not balanced in the same way as the other things might be an issue. Yeah, I think I think that's really it. Like you know, with extra monster supplements in every edition of the game, the monsters get harder. You know, they always ramp up the difficulty a bit. It's if you're used to one CR and then you typically ramp up monsters because your players are steamrolling them, which I think is something that happens pretty often in 5e. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw the same CR and then ramp them up at your players and expect that it's going to be the same because it's going to be tougher. Very good. So any and, other... and even oh. even in, in the monster manual, you know, challenge rating is definitely more art than science. And a, a given multiple monsters of a given challenge rating aren't necessarily created equal. And there's always you, ha- you have to pay attention to what their actual capabilities are. Mm-hmm. So it's it's often a little bit of a delicate balancing act because like, you know, ogres are CR2, but man, will they just paste, you know, level one and two characters with one shot or or uh, bugbears. Oh, Bugbears are completely deadly for CR1. I mean, they can just kill oh. you outright dead. Nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think some of these hit that same note. Like cows, you guys mentioned cows before. They are a pretty deadly CR1 quarter <laughs> if, the, uh, if, the, if the circumstance is in the cow's favor a little bit. <laughs> sure, I mean, you don't go want to go running with the bulls. but <laughs> Right, right. So, you know, they're a, they're a tempting option for things like uh, conjure animals. Uh, since sure. you can get eight of them. There you go. 
That's what yeah. it's there early. There. That's why it's in there. So so that's Derwin's, that's why so a lot of these things shape are into it and things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you mentioned, dinosaurs. I'm sure a lot of these are there for that reason, so that you know, moon druids have more options for f- interesting things to shape into, and <laughs> and so it's available for stuff like Adventurers League, where you can't brew up your own monsters. See, I think that sort of stuff belongs in a player marketed book, though. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you do your PHB two, throw in those extra options in there. DMs are going to buy it anyway. Now you're not putting filler in a in a bestiary book. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, but we'll, we'll never get that, right? That would and, be against D and D's longstanding tradition. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and with their their <clears throat> slow release schedule, who knows when that would happen? And people want stuff sooner rather than later. So this this gives them a little a little taste, right? I just want a farming supplement. Uh, cows and like <laughs> body horror thralls whose brains get harvested. Just all of the above. <laughs> everything's, everything's about agriculture. Hey, right you, need to, you need to start writing and get to the DMs Guild. I think the world needs this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do frost giants survive? <laughs> Mammoths. Find out. <laughs> Mammoths. Fantastic. All right. So, so one last thing. We haven't talked about this at all. And, and it was... Part of the the reason I thought to invite uh, Ishan and Shane on here because I heard you guys talking on um, the roundtable with James in some of the previews about this, about whether or not you were going to like the whole Elminster Volo pieces. Like throughout the whole book, there's this – there's like I guess the, the fantasy version of post-it notes stuck in throughout the whole thing where, where either Volo or Elminster are making comments on the various monsters or commenting on each other's comments. Uh, and you guys seem to think that that would be uh, distracting uh, and possibly uh, not a good thing. So I'm curious now that you've got the books in your hands and you've looked at it and you've seen how it plays out, what do you think? I think Go we ahead, were worried. I think we were worried that it would be too much, that it would happen too often. Mm-hmm. But when we were done with, with the book, like we both read it like cover to cover, I think we looked at each other and went, did you see it? Because I, I think I missed it. I, I didn't really see much back and forth between Volo and Elminster at all, especially mm-hmm. considering how much it was hyped. Yeah. Well, I think they, I don't know, part of me wonders if, if it, they just wanted to hype the fact that Ed Greenwood was working on a book, right? <coughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. And, that, right. and this is what he did. So. Using a little yeah. name drop. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you know, I mean, the majority of that stuff comes in as like the post-it notes on the stat entries. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, they're, they're really hit or miss. You know, for the most part, you can just ignore them. But some of them are just very, very strange. Like the one for the Grungs talks about how... Uh, the gods hate us because grungs exist, but they're like, <laughs> they're CR two at worst. <laughs> like who cares? You know, like you're supposed to be this big, like well-traveled bard and you're worried about tree frogs. Volo's a wuss though. <laughs> well, like the reason, the reason that the gods hate you is the time of troubles. You know, like, yeah, it's, not, sure. it's not little tree frogs. You know, the or spell plague. When the giants <laughs> rain down death from above, or when the the dragons try to summon Tiamat, or you know, all these other things that have happened recently. Yeah, right. I'm just saying, if if you're a villager who lives in a jungle near these things, I bet you hate the frog god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, there's also like a weird thing with the layout. And, and this is sort of tangentially related, but mm-hmm. I can't tell if there's supposed to be post-it notes that were added after the fact or if, like, what's going on there? Because some of the art overlaps the little post-it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, 
which came first and why did you decide to do this in the margins with the editor's notes still written on there you know it's like mm. i don't know it, if you're trying to tell a story through the book right that those sort of details should matter and they don't right uh, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but for an example of uh, role-playing supplements that absolutely do that, tell tell the story through the actual art and layout of the book, the um, the Vampire the Requiem clan, uh, clan book supplements are all written sort of an in-character thing, and it's a compilation of notes, and it, it looks like it's like handwritten on notebook paper, and everything's sort of cobbled together into this weird dossier-style thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's all like that. And then there's you know mechanical things at the end, but all of the actual you know story of it is like that. So I was kind of expect. I think like you guys, you guys hit the nail on the head. I was expecting something more along those lines, and was wondering how that was going to play in a D and D book. And then that just never materialized. It was it's it's very easy to just completely ignore. That, that side of things if all you're interested in is the, the D&D info. Well, and I think there, there's maybe they're trying to to f- have fun little things there and maybe create a little bit of a narrative without going full, you know, Vampire the Requiem on it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, because that would be a serious departure that would probably turn off a lot of their, their fans. Um, but they're trying to sort of add <clears throat> some of these fun little elements to it. I don't, I think, like, to me, I don't know that, I think it played out exactly the way I expected it to play out, uh, and I, and it's fine. And I enjoyed some of the little snippets and whatever. I enjoy Ed Greenwood, and, and in fact, <clears throat> I just interviewed him last night for some stuff. Um, cool. you, know, you know, so I I enjoy Ed, and I enjoy uh, Elminster and Volo, and and sort of the the back and forth between them and whatever. Uh, and so it kind of played out the way I expected it to play out, as which is why I was hearing you guys were concerned about it in that in that roundtable episode. And I'm like. I don't think it's going to be as obtrusive as you think it's going to be. Like, they've done this before. Um, this isn't actually as... I think the problem was the hype. I think the way that they promoted it uh, as such this big deal in the book was probably the bigger issue. Uh, yeah. It set expectations different than what was the reality. And they released the preview page, which was really the one page where Volo and Elminster actually interact. Yeah. And, oh. yeah, and I was like, oh my... <laughs> I can't read a whole book of this. Yeah. I mean, they used to do that in, in a lot of the Dragon magazines where they would do ecologies and it would just – there would be like 57 footnotes at the bottom of the article uh, of you know the various monster hunters or adventurers or Elminster or whoever like making commentary uh, on the story that you're reading above. But throughout the whole thing, you're getting bits of lore and story behind these monsters and creatures. And it was always fun and whatever. I don't know that I want to read a whole book about it done in that way. But it was fun for an article in a magazine, you know. Yeah, that was exactly it. The short form was fun. We heard this book is 250 pages, and we were like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I think the takeaway was that it's fine the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you're into that thing, it's there. And if you're not into that thing, it's completely ignorable. Definitely. So Cool. Any la- a bit of a whiner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing from a lot of his little margin notes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Life isn't fair. The gods hate us. Wait, wait, wait. I told you. Volo's a wuss. Yeah, yeah. It so. seems it. So, very so good. what do you guys think of the art? Um, I mean, uh, it, it varies. <laughs> uh, some of them, some of them, I like an awful lot. Other ones, you know, I could leave it. Um, on, on the whole, the art feels plenty up to to the standard of something. You know, it, I found the book pretty. So, yeah, I mean, it it it's, it. it, it <clears throat> It's standard Watsy art, which is is 
I guess, a step up from what you see from most third-party publishers. Um, but it, I, I guess I didn't see anything that just blew me away. And and this is kind of having just come off Storm King's Thunder, where there was, like, large two-page splash pages of, of you know, murals and things, right? And, see, and be these big scenes and whatever. Um, so there was no art in here that I felt, like, really blew me away. Um, if anything, I felt like uh, – and I didn't know that I even thought about it until you said something – um, but I feel like in some of the lore sections, there could have been more art. Um, the lore sections are fairly light on art. They get like uh, maybe an image or so at the beginning of each each monster. Um, and I remember some other lore sections where you would get like an anatomical sort of sketch of the creatures and you'd get all these little fun things. Um, so I don't know. I thought the art was fine, but not necessarily a highlight of the book. I like the maps. I, I like the uh, in the lore section they would give you a kind of a sample lair or whatever for the the critters. Those were those were fun. I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the maps were great, except that they're on, for the most part too small to use. Mm. So you've kind of got to reproduce them yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just kind of photocopy them and flop them out. No, that wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I I wasn't quite sure how we're supposed to use the maps either. Like, is this supposed to be like, I need a layer, let's let's use this one? Or, or was it supposed to be sort of, ah, this is kind of a sample of how they set up their layers. You you know, make your own. But this is kind of a, a the, this is the gist to give you a shorthand. You know, so I'm not sure exactly what they were going for with it. I think it was more of an example. And then, like, if you want to, you could just draw that hag layer on the, or the, uh, the goblin. You could just draw that war camp, right. you know, right on your battle mat and you're good to go. Seems like the perfect thing to release online. So with, yeah, a map the numbers removed. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Any other sort of last thoughts or questions that anybody had before we wrap things up? We've been talking over an hour now, so. Oh, look at that! We have. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. There's a pr- pretty amazing uh, mind flare autopsy art piece. Yeah, of, the, of that. Uh, I think that's going to get this banned from a lot of libraries. But like, other oh. than that, give me the page. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the anatomical one, and that jumped to mind. Uh, but I, I know the sort of thing you're talking about, yeah. Jeff, because all of the like, um, oh, what were those? There was a bunch of three point five, three uh, three zero, and three five supplements. Yeah, that had like you know fiends of the abyss and all of that, or hordes of the abyss and all, all that stuff. And you had all kinds of like dissected dretch and labeled guts and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Page seventy seven is what you're talking about. Seventy seven. Yep. Yeah. Mm, that's it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, my favorite art piece in here is actually page 64. It's the uh, group of kobolds carrying away a bunch of loot they've just stolen. Yeah, and one of them riding up on the gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah, like that one's whimsical fun. and it's fun and it's high quality, you know? And then I like I look at that and I compare it to the gazer art and I'm like, one of those artists should be hired again. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so any other last thoughts or questions? If not, I'm going to call it the end of the episode and we'll move yeah, on. Yeah, I think I think we hit the uh, we hit the high points. I think we I think we did. I think uh, we did a nice sort of deep dive uh, discussion here. Um, you know, uh, and and for people who are wondering, I, I made a call out in a previous episode. Let us know whether or not you are interested in uh, deep dive episodes like this. They take a little longer to get out because we want to make sure we really read through the books and and dig into them deeply. Um, or if you are interested in possibly also having some uh, sort, of, sort of first impression sort of thing. Um, so far, I've been getting about 
two deep dive requests for one uh, first impression request. Um, so, I mean, I'm not opposed to doing the first impressions, but I feel like there's a lot of those already out there, and the deep dive is something uh, unique that the Tome Show brings to the field. So, mm-hmm. so let me oh, know. You know Shoot us, shoot us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com to let us know what, what you prefer. One last thing I do want to call out. Yeah. Um, I mentioned how much I love the NPC codex at the end. There's one point in that that I, I actually just flipped through it uh, by, by random and uh, I want to, want to call attention to this. The Warlord is awesome. That's a challenge rating 12. It's just like you know a hero, in an, a general hero of an army. But it's, it's a humanoid, challenge rating 12, warrior guy general with legendary actions and that's not something we've seen before Mm -hmm. and that is that fills a niche that we didn't otherwise have because you'd uh, you know you'd be looking at things like sphinxes and uh you know liches and dragons to get legendary actions now you can have your you know warlord who's leading a conquering horde across without you know dropping in things like death knights and, and it's not just a human like you know stuff. this this is yeah, this isn't yeah. just some guy this is genghis khan or whatever on the battlefield exactly exactly yeah this is you know dane ironfoot or whoever you make him a right. dwarf and boom there you go there you go cool yeah all right then i'm gonna go ahead and if that's our last thoughts i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode I want to say thank you to our sponsor, OpenGamingStore.com. I think I forgot to mention this in the product spot before or the sponsor spot before, but make sure when you go there you use the the coupon code TOMESHOW2016 and you'll get an extra 10% off whatever you buy. So extra bonus there. Uh, OpenGamingStore.com. Plus, I think if you buy a certain amount of product, they they throw a free PDF at you on top of that as well. So look at that. It's, It's discount after free stuff. Uh, I also want to thank our uh, our guests tonight. Dan, thanks for coming on. Where can people go to find you or, or, or talk to you or what have you? Sure. It's always a pleasure being here. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan underscore Dylan underscore one. And I'm on Facebook, uh, Daniel.p.dylan. I'm also a moderator on the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition uh, forum uh, group there. We're closing in on 50,000 members. So uh, always a lot of discussion and... We'd love to have new people. Awesome. And Shane, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And I am about 75% of our tweets on the Total Party Thrill account, which is at TPTCast. There you go. And Ishan. Best way to get in touch with me is on Twitter, at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can reach <laughs> Shane or me uh, at uh, sorry, um, through email, totalpartythrill at gmail.com, or listen to the podcast at our website, totalpartythrillcast.com. That's right. Any award-losing podcast, Total Party Thrill. And, and you told me to, to, to announce it that way, right? Oh, oh, we did. Okay, so that people don't think I'm being mean yeah. over here. <laughs> so, hey, you were nominated, which is one step further than I've been. So, so take, that, that. take that and own it. All right. I also want to uh, thank all of our listeners for supporting the show, whether you're, you're listening to it, whether you're telling people uh, about the show, whether you're reviewing us and giving us good reviews on iTunes or whatever your, your podcatcher of choice is, uh, or whether you're using our affiliate links for our Amazon and DMs Guild. All of that helps uh, keep the show going and, and spreading the word and, and all that kind of good stuff. You can get a hold of us by emailing thetomeshow at gmail.com. That comes straight to me, and then I can parse it out to whoever else needs to see it. You can call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E, and then I'll get your voice on there, and maybe we'll we'll put it on an episode and talk about what you have to say, depending on what, you, what you're talking about. It might end up in all kinds of places. Uh, and anyway, 
That has been episode 273, where we became the Anthony Bourdains of D&D while reviewing Volo's Guide to Monsters in this episode of... I'm on the wall.